verses 22 through the end of the chapter, verse 25, out of 1 Peter chapter 1, and I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Word of God. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. And Father, even as this word is preached this morning, as your word comes to us this morning, as Peter alludes to the word that that was received by the readers of this letter and the work that you did in their hearts, even as you do work in our hearts today, God, might you be honored and glorified. Might we have understanding. Pour out your spirit upon us, Lord, that he will do his work to open the eyes of our hearts that we may comprehend and understand. Might he give us wisdom and discernment to know how to apply these truths to our lives, Lord. Might he glorify Jesus through all of this, Lord. And God, as we receive understanding, Lord, teach us how to act, how to respond to these truths in deed, in word, and even in thought. And so, God, be praised, honored, and glorified during this time, and we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You guys may be seated. We're going to be closing out this first chapter here in this first letter of Peter. In the first part of the letter, we were talking about the inheritance that we've received, our salvation, right? And as we, as we were talking about that, we, we, we moved into the latter portion of this first chapter. Last week, we covered verses 13 to 21. Um, looking at the command that Peter gives by the Holy Spirit of God as he was moved by the Spirit to write, this command to live holy lives, be holy even as God is holy. It is a truth that we see both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. It's got nothing to do with legalism. It's a call that God has placed on our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. It's a call that is placed on our lives as, as, as men and women who have been saved by Jesus Christ, who have received new life. And this new life is to lead us into a life of holiness. New life, in other words, not like we were before. And in the case of holiness, not unholy like we were before, but now holy. Now, there's a process. There's a, there's a change. You know, for some people... You know, it's a quicker change than with others, uh, or uh, maybe a more demonstrable change. You know, some people are just 
much more messed up in the flesh than others when they get saved, and so it seems like more, more radical, but whatever the change is, whatever the salvation is that comes, whatever that new life does in a person's li- uh, heart and life, it is an incredible thing. It's an incredible story. You know, I've talked, that just, as I'm talking, I'm just reminded, reminded of how, you know, some who, uh, some people have been raised in the church and really taking seriously what the Lord has done for them, taking seriously following after the Lord Jesus Christ and, and, and never really entered into a lifestyle that so many of us did when we were younger of drugs and alcohol and other forms of sin, whatever it may be. And, and so that never occurred for in, in their lives and they're continuing to live a life of, of following after the Lord and they get married, have kids and you know, marry a uh, a, a spouse who is also following the Lord and in church doing well, and it's like, I don't have a testimony, they say. From my perspective is, that is a much more wonderful testimony than getting, getting off of drugs. You know what I mean? I mean, it's almost like we, we glorify sin to make, a testi- to make a testimony seem more dramatic. But I think the truth of the matter is, anytime the Lord places his life into any human being, it is a, a dramatic, dramatic and wonderful uh, uh, work of God in that person's life. And so we're here today coming from wherever we've come from, because, well, you know, everybody comes from somewhere. But, you know, it's just the idea that, that, that God is at work in each one of our lives. And as Peter points out, we have been redeemed by something much more valuable than silver or gold which perishes. It is by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And that becomes our motive, what God has done for us and the means by which he's done this work, giving his son to go to that cross, take our sin upon himself, and be sacrificed as the the lamb of God. Him willingly doing that, by the way, willingly going to that place. So, Uh, understanding what he's done and the love with which it was done, it moves us to holy living. And as we see in these verses 22 to 25, as we just read, two particular things are highlighted here. One is the command to love one another fervently. And the second is the power of God's word. Now, Looking at these two issues in these four verses, you know, and and we've got a limited amount of time to speak on two different issues that could take years to talk about. In fact, we're going to spend eternity really learning more and more and more and understanding more and more and more, I think, about what this kind of love is and what the power of God's word is. 
never reaching a point. And, you know, and, and again, I don't, think, I don't think all that's going to end when we leave these human bodies that we're in right now. I don't think it is. But we'll never get to a point where we understand it all. Because whether we're in these bodies or when we enter into our glorified bodies that are fitted for eternity, still we're going to have minds that are limited. And we'll never truly understand the incredible magnitude of the love of God and the power of his word. But we are going to delve into that today. We're going to delve into it today. Here in verse 22, we see Peter writing, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, and here's the command, love one another fervently with a pure heart. It, it seems almost as if Peter is reiterating something that already is taking place. Now, it certainly isn't the first time they're hearing this idea of loving one another. But he adds this adverb fervently, which really adds something to that. We, we saw we see earlier in the, in, the, in the scriptures, and we'll be getting to this, but when Jesus gives that command out of John chapter 13, he says, love one another, not fervently, he says, as I have loved you. That, that's the qualifica qualification that, that he makes. But it is something that, that, that he's giving to them. He, tell, he, he acknowledges that you have purified your souls through your obedience. In your in obeying the truth through the Spirit. It's just interesting the way that Peter words this. Obedience to the Word bringing purity to their souls. In Psalm 119.9, we, we've just gone over this recently on Wednesday nights. We're on Psalm 119 right now on Wednesday nights. But in that ninth verse, the psalmist writes, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to the word of God. This is one of the ways that God's word works in the lives of people. It cleanses us. And as Peter writes here, it purifies your souls when you're living a life of obedience to the truth. It's just an amazing thing that, that, that we see all the things that the word of God does and the power that is a part of that. We see him also saying through the Spirit. So the connection between God's Word and the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Both are always in action in our lives as believers, aren't they? The Word of God and the Holy Spirit. And, and, and let's, not, let's not forget that even when we speak of God's Word itself, that is in itself from the Holy Spirit of God. As Peter writes later in, in, in 2 Peter chapter 2, he, he writes about the Word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit as he speaks into the hearts of men of God, writing these things. And, and he, he mentions, because there's no private interpretation of this, by the way. It, it is all given by the Holy Spirit. There is one truth. It's not like, how do you see that? 
well, I think this. Okay, how do you see that? You say something different. It's like, I think this. And like, okay, no, both are not okay. One thing is right. I mean, that's the issue with truth, isn't it? There's just simply one truth, and we live in a culture that doesn't believe that. You know, it, as I, I, I get disheartened, frustrated, sometimes angry about hearing people talk about your truth and my truth. You know, if my truth is Jesus is God, he's the Christ, the son of the living God, and another person's truth is, well, Jesus isn't God, he's just a human being, but he was a great prophet. And he says, well, this is my truth, and I say, no, this is, this is my truth. Even then, I don't even like the word my truth. It's got to be the truth, the truth, because there is only one truth. But my truth and your truth, only one, if they're different, only one can be right. And you know what? Both might be wrong. Because we've got to align ourselves with the truth that's in God's word. We've got to align ourselves here. So I'm off over here and somebody else is over, over there. And it's like we're both saying, oh, this is my truth. And it's like, that's a bunch of hogwash. You know, and, 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 and quite honestly, quite honestly, we have to do some thinking about this. How is it that a truth, that my truth, when I say my truth, now, if we mean by it is this is how, these are the things that I have learned based on my experiences. Okay, I can accept that. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. I mean, it's truly the way that you were affected by these things, perhaps, but not the truth. You know what I'm saying? Is we, we just have to be very, very careful about that. But the point that I'm making is the idea of truth through the Word of God and the way that the Holy Spirit uses these truths, as he has even already brought the truth through men writing the Word of God. And, and when we got saved, the Holy Spirit began to indwell us, and he, as our teacher... And as the one who opens up the eyes of understanding in our own hearts and minds, he gives us an understanding of those things. And then he gives us the ability to actually do those things. And then he, then he works in the lives of the people around us as, as they are watching us or being affected by those things that we're doing. And he starts working in their hearts and to bring them to Jesus. And yeah, I mean, it's like, it's the, it's, the, it's the work of God's spirit. Incredible. Incredible what God has done for us. So it's the Holy Spirit's power along with the power of God's word given to us to, to not only save us, but to mold us into the people who will love others with this kind of love that we're talking about here to bring an impact in their lives with this agape love, that, that God kind of love, uh, and draw them to Christ, that they can be used by God in the same way that we have prayerfully been used in their lives. They can be used in, that, in the same way in other people's lives. And so we see that whole chain effect taking place. And this has been going on for 2,000 years, and we all have been affected by it. We're here saved because of it, because of the work of God's Spirit. 
And if we're not yet saved, we are being worked on by the Holy Spirit to bring us to salvation. He is wooing us to Jesus. He's showing, show, he, sh- he shows us who, who Jesus is. So just an incredible thing that, that God does through all these things. But this idea of, of, of love, loving with a fervency and with a pure heart. In sincere love of the brethren. You know, not faking it. You know, not um, no no pretense involved in it, but a, a sincere love without hypocrisy. You know, n- not not treating somebody with. You know, we have to be careful here, because we, as we see th- this idea of a, a sincere love or an unfeigned love in some in some uh, a translation, it's like. What Peter is saying is, when your heart is not matching your actions, you know, it's like, really in your heart, you're thinking, you know, I, I don't care if this guy falls off the face of the earth. And then you act like you're just all lovey-dovey and all this kind of stuff, you know, and it's like, that? Now, does this mean if, if that's how you really feel about this person, you should just be mean with this guy? No. So there is a difference in the sense of where our heart might be and the actions that we should take. But what this means is when that is the case, we need to be open to the Holy Spirit speaking about, you know what, your heart's not really in this. Where's your heart? Where's your heart? God's concerned with the heart, not so much the way that we act concerned with the heart because the way that we act comes from the heart. But at the same time, there are times that we are hypocritical. But there are also times that we are just wanting to be obedient. Even though my heart's not there, I want to be obedient to God. There's nothing wrong with that. But if the heart's not there, God wants to reveal that to us so that our heart can be changed and move to that, that place where it ought to be. Does that make sense? That makes, I, I, we, just have to, we have to be careful with this. It needs to be an unfeigned love, a, a sincere love, a pure love, but at the same time, even if my heart's not in it, that doesn't mean I just walk up and shoot the guy. You know what I mean? I mean, that's a little extreme, but uh, I'm making a point here. So let's be open to what the Lord is doing in the heart. And in order to have this kind of love and, and, and to be open to this, God needs to do that work in our hearts. And, and you know, th- there's a humility that is necessary if we're going to love that way. Philippians chapter 2. Now, those of you who've been with us a while, you, you hear me go to this passage once in a while. If you've been here with us a while, yeah. I'll, I'll go to this passage once, once in a while. Philippians 2, beginning in verse 3, which reads this way. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, 
which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. He emptied himself out, in other words, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And I have to share with you guys that, I mean, this this entire passage is is incredible. But verse 7 Jesus made himself of no reputation. He emptied himself. He he willingly divested himself of uh, um, godly um, privileges. Privileges that God has. Um, In order to become a person to take that step, to lower himself incredibly to be like us. The one thing that we don't understand is how far Jesus had to stoop in order to become like you and me. Out of his love and out of his obedience to his Father. But it's that humility. And, you know, when the Lord ministered to my heart through this passage in Philippians, when he began to work on my own pride and arrogance. He's not done yet. Um, As he spoke to my heart, what really hit me was was not the seventh verse so much as the fifth verse which says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What mind? Not having selfish ambition or conceit, having a lowliness of mind, and esteeming others better than himself. Jesus has that mind toward you and toward me. For Jesus to consider me and you and esteeming us as better than himself. Some, translation, some translations read esteeming us as more important than himself. I, I, I just kind of sat back and I thought, what? Jesus esteems me to be better than himself? or more important than himself? That doesn't make sense. That can't be right. It's not right. And, and we all know it's not right, but that's, a, that, that's how he values us. Esteem, that's a, that's a valuation that he place, places. He values you to be better than himself or more important than himself. Wait a minute, he's God. Is it, he knows that. The thing is, this is what love does. And that's a real problem that I had because I didn't love people like this. And I actually, I, I actually believe that I was better than many other people. Not Maybe there were a few better than me, but you know how we go through that thing, you know? We compare ourselves with each other. I thought I was better than most people. I really did simply because 
I could do a few things that others, I was, I was better at doing a few things than other people were. I've shared this with you guys years ago. I mean, in fact, it was uh, not long after I met Jeanette. I mean, y y I was 17 and she was 15 when we met. But um, as I found out, as she shared with me that she liked to go roller skating, and she was a good roller skater. I went with her. Oh, man. She, I mean, she could skate circles around me. You know, I'm just doing a, <laughs> you know, that thing. And she's like, woo, 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 and doing, you know, whatever she's doing. And she skated a lot. And so I, I didn't like to go skating with her. <laughs> Why? Because she was better than me. I didn't like that. I want to be better than her. You know, I mean, that was, that's what was in my heart. It really was. And for you guys, let's face it, that's there. So, you know, it's, oh, he needed to do a work on me. Like I said, he's not done yet. That's when he started. But the point is, the point is this. As we view Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So the clearest demonstration of the love of God for us is Jesus on the cross dying for our sins. And it was this humility in which Jesus valuing you and me to be better than himself that led him to that kind of love. We cannot love without humility. The greater the amount of pride in a person, the less that person is able to love others. Because quite frankly, my pride, well, you know, it's all about me. If it's all about me, it's not going to be about you. How can I love you when it's all about me? Right? That's the point. That's the point. Loving others in the same way that Christ has loved us. We see that uh, spoken of by Jesus in John 13. I've, I've referred, it, referred to it already. But reading verses 34 and 35 of John 13, he said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And, and guys, we, we, we've got to be, we, we've, we've got to recognize and be honest with the truth that others in this world are going to recognize who it is that we're following by watching our lives. And if we love people, and this is, Jesus is specifically talking about loving one another. He was talking to his apostles, and the way that that translates to us today within the church is loving the brethren, loving our brothers and sisters in Christ the family of God, loving each other in that way like Jesus loved us, has loved us, and continues to love, love us, but specifically the way that it was 
demonstrated on that cross, giving himself for us. When I give myself for you, when you give yourself for me, when we are giving ourselves for each other, when we recognize that, that you know, you're more important than I am, let me help you meet your needs. And then we might say, well, how am I going to get my own needs, needs met? Well, God will work that out. Quite frankly, a lot of things that we think are our, our own needs are just selfish stuff, you know, not really things that we need. And we don't need to get into that because I'll take another 15 minutes talking about that because we don't have time. But you guys get the point? I pray that God deal with every heart in this room. Um, pray that he's started dealing. I mean, this was, how long ago was this? This was probably 40 years ago when God was hitting my heart that way with the, with the pride thing. Philippians 2. I've been walking with the Lord about 10 years, I think. Maybe not quite that long. Right around there. But I pray that God's been dealing with you. And please know he's not finished. Yeah, I see a head. Yeah, yeah, we know. I, I know, Pastor. I know. I know. Ask my husband. Ask my wife. You know, I mean, that, that, that's the thing. That's the thing. So loving in that way. In Matthew 22, verses 35 to 40, then one of them, a lawyer, a Pharisee, so the Pharisees had come together, uh, one of them being a lawyer, asked Jesus a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is a great commandment in the law? Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Love God. Love people. The great two commandments. The first one is called, what Jesus calls the, the first one, the great command. To love God. And the second is like it, love your neighbor. As you love yourself, he said. What that means is that we're not supposed to love ourselves. He's saying, you know, you already have a lot of love for yourself. Transfer that to other people. Love other people instead of loving yourself. That's what that means. We'll hear some people say, well, I have to love myself. I'm going to love other people. And no, no. That's a lie from the pit of hell. If, if anybody who believes that is not going to be able to love other people, really. Galatians 5.14 says, All the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If I just focus on loving God first and loving other people secondly, then I don't even have to look at what God says in terms of command, thou shalt not do this or thou shalt not do that. Because in that love, I will be fulfilling the law. Two commands to be concerned with as believers. Love God with all of your being and love your neighbor. Love people. Paul describes what this love is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. So many of you are so aware of this passage. You've read it so many times and and I, I think we need to continue to read it, read it time and time and time again. We need to be extremely familiar with this passage so that we know what love looks like. But here in verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, beginning in verse 4, through the first part of verse 8, 
Love suffers long and is kind. As we're reading this, let's just go through the little exercise in the sense of, okay, how am I doing with this? You know, uh, as, as, as we see the word love, as you hear me say the word love, put your own name there. And, and, and let, let, let's see how we're all measuring up here. Okay? Love suffers long and is kind. Right now, everything, Pastor, stop. That's enough. <laughs> you know, love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. And what that means is love never comes to an end. Powerful stuff. That's the pattern that God has given to us for love. Verse 23, having been born again. So all of this in light of the fact that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, having been born again. Not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. And then he quotes from Isaiah chapter 40, because all flesh, he writes, because all flesh is grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. By the word of God. All flesh is as grass. That speaks of our humanness, our human condition, apart from the life of God being placed in us. We've got the flesh and the spirit, right? All flesh is grass. So why, why is that noteworthy? Well, the glory of man, our flesh, is nothing like the flower of the grass that withers away in the heat of the sun. The grass withers, the flower falls away, but the truth of God's word, the word of God, the word of the Lord endures forever. I have no glory except that which I received from God through Jesus Christ, His Son. Anything I might be able to accomplish, anything that I've ever done, whatever accomplishments in sports, whatever accomplishments in our, our, our field of uh, uh, work and our careers, whatever abilities we may have, which, by the way, comes only from God. Now, we can hone things through practice and work and discipline. That's true. Um, one of the reasons that I felt like I was better than other people is because I could hit a baseball better than most. 
I could throw a baseball better than most. I could run faster than most. So I thought I was better than everybody, except for those, except for this one guy, Ricky Dominguez, who always beat me in the race. <laughs> he was always, I was always in second place. But, you know, I mean, that, that, that's one reason, you know, and, you know, I mean, scholastically speaking, I, I skipped the sixth grade. I, I got a scholastic scholarship to go to USC. And, and it's like, I really thought I was quite something. <laughs> that's what God had to work on. Then other people will talk about, oh, you know, it's like self-esteem is what we need. Self-esteem, no, you, you don't need self-esteem. In fact, this passage says we need other esteem. You know, and, and that's, a, uh, that's another conversation that'll take a couple hours. But the, the point is, all this stuff that we, that, that we you know, are, are so proud of in terms of ourselves, it's like nothing is there that didn't come from God in the first place. And then there are others who just feel like they haven't been, give, haven't been given anything. It's just yet to be discovered. Yet when we come to Christ, he gives us gifts that will be used in his kingdom that are incredibly powerful. Incredibly powerful. And whatever gift that might be as we hone it, and really it's, it's the Lord doing the work of bringing it to maturity, but we have to practice. We have to, we have to practice it. whether it's our precious Giovanna leading worship. She's able to do this now because she's been doing it a while. But it's a gift that God has given to her, which is a much greater gift than being a CEO of a multi-building corporation making tons of money. Because this gift brings eternal treasure, right? How do we value things? How do we value things? So the point, you, you guys see the point, but see, it's the word of God that, that, that lives forever. Back in the third verse, um, we, we, we see that the apostle Peter wrote that it is according to his abundant mercy that we have, that he has begotten us again according to his abundant mercy. Now, I'll, I'll remind you of a few things I said when we, were, when we were looking at that third verse a few weeks ago. Psalm 103.11 says, For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. And if you remember, I, I, I talked about how, as I was looking at that, and when we were doing the study in Psalms, you know, a few months ago, uh, in, in Psalm 103, I thought, okay, well, just... What's that mean, as high as the heavens are above the earth? How far are the heavens from the earth? How high are those heavens? Because that's how great his mercy is toward us. So I did a little research. I discovered that just in September of 2022, the James Webb Space Telescope found a galaxy that is 33.6 billion light years away. 
I can't fathom 33.6 billion. I can't fathom 33.6 million. Well, this is billion. Light years. This thing that we can't fathom times 186,000 miles per second. That's how fast light travels. I figured out how many miles this is, I think. But the best I could figure is this. That galaxy is 197 sextillion, 568 quintillion miles away. Those six numbers, 197, 568, with 18 zeros after it. I don't know what that means. My mind is too small for that. I mean, it's, it's just, these are inconceivable numbers. God's point is this. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so is my mercy toward those who fear me. His mercy toward you and me, in the same way that that incredible number is so huge, we can't even begin to fathom, we can't even conceive. It's inconceivable. Now, don't tell me, you keep saying that word, I don't think you know what it means. Don't say that. But it's an, it's an inconceivable number to us, which means that the mercy of God toward us who fear him is of inconceivable uh, amount. We can't even begin to think how much mercy God has shown us. Can't even begin. And you're going to tell me that you don't think God can forgive you for your sin because it's too great? I think a lot of times what happens to us is we, we, we think that we can't, we're trying to forgive ourselves and we can't manage to do that, so we think God can't forgive us. It's like, no, that's the wrong approach. In fact, you didn't sin against yourself, you sinned against God. Stop trying to forgive yourself. Just receive God's forgiveness. Just receive his forgiveness. He's able. That's the point. Isn't that incredible? I mean, those are, those are crazy thoughts. And it's according to that mercy that we've been born again. And we, we don't need to go into all those things. Now, we, we, we looked at Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I think that's an incredibly, very, it's a very important passage right there in terms of the word of God. But I reminded you of something that weren't, I, I want to remind you of something that Warren Worsby wrote. I looked at this. I like this. He, he wrote, the Spirit of God takes the Word of God, and when a sinner believes, he imparts the life of God. That's basically being born again, receiving the life of God. So the Scriptures tell us that we're born of the Spirit, as we see in John 3, 6. Born through the resurrection of Jesus, back in verse 3, here in 1 Peter chapter 1. And here we see that, that, we are, that we are born again 
through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Lives and abides forever. You know that the word of God is alive, right? Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, any two-edged sword. There are some awfully sharp two-edged swords that are made. piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I, I, I think the main point here is the, the life of the Word of God, able to do things that we can't even imagine in our own hearts and in the hearts of others around us able to pierce between soul and spirit, places that we can't see, to do things that we don't even understand need to be done. And yet, this is what God's Word does. And there is a power to it, able to do things that we can't even imagine. I mean, we, we, we may know somebody. I mean, you, you might know somebody. Maybe you said this past week. It's like, you know, I don't think that guy can ever get saved. You know, you know what I mean? There, there are people around us like that. Let's not underestimate the power of God's Word. We're thinking humanly when we're saying that. His mercy is so great, as, as we talked about already, He wants to extend that mercy to everyone. It's his desire that all men be saved and come to acknowledgement of the truth. That's what he wants. So let's be free to give the word of God and help others, you know, to other people around us and, and help them to get the word of God into them whether it's by bringing them to church, whether it's by reading the Word of God to them. I mean, you, you, don't, have to, you don't have to read it. You don't have to quote chapter and verse. You can just give them the truth. You don't even have to say it's, it's in the Bible. Just give them the truth. God will, God will use it. You know, I, I've had conversations over the years about that, about that very topic. You know, parents, for example, of, uh, of high schoolers who, high schoolers are having a hard time, don't want to come to church, it's a common thing, and, 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 and mom and dad are thinking, you know, I, uh, I, don't, I don't think I should bring them to church. I mean, they don't want to be there anyway, and what good is it going to do if they don't want to be there? And my thing is, wait a minute, you are underestimating the power of God's word. Because once, once God's word enters into to a heart, um, I, I, was, I, I was talking with, uh, with David Downey yesterday. I hope you don't mind me sharing this, David. There's a danger in talking with a pastor. I found a new, a, new, a new baseball cap, by the way. It says, on it, it says, pastor on top. It says, warning, 
anything you say or do might be used in a sermon. <laughs> I think it's great. I should wear it someday here. Anyway, but we, I, I was talking with him, and, and he, was, he was talking about back in the day when he was running in the street, and one of his friends found Jesus and came to him and started talking about Jesus. He goes, get out of here with that stuff, he said. But he said to me, that planted a seed. That planted a seed. See, and we don't know what God's going to do. So let's not underestimate him. Let's get people that we love exposed to the word of God. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, just as we just read. And so, yeah, let, let's, let's be sure that we do that. Let's not limit the power of God in, the li in our own lives, uh, the power of his word in the lives of the people around us, whatever it may be. Let's just simply be careful. In Romans chapter 10, verses 14 to 17, we quoted verses 17 already, but I want to read this, read this entire passage to you. As we read verse 25 in this 1 Peter chapter 1, the last part of it, now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. This is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. This word that endures forever. This word which is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Romans 10, beginning in verse 14. Paul is discussing, he's writing about the gospel being preached. He says in verse 14, How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So, then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. This passage is not talking about pastors, not talking about prophets, apostles. It's talking about anyone that God would send to any person who needs to hear the word of God. That's all of us. We've, got, we've all got those people in our lives that need to hear the word of God. I want to encourage you, pray about who it is the Lord wants you to speak his truth to. Just pray about it. You know, and, and, and for, for us, you know, it's like, it's like, Lord, is there somebody? No, it's more like, which one, God? Which one do you want me to talk to? Which one? You know? Oh, so many need Jesus. So many need Jesus. And they will find him through you and through me. As they see him 
actively working in our lives and we give to them the truth of the scripture and allowing God to use the scripture to do his work to bring faith. So even as we heard God began his work we became born again we are changed transformed by the power of the gospel the power of the Holy Spirit we are made able to love let's, let's not forget this is about being able to love that's a command to love see and that, that's the thing when we love in a way that is different, that's a part of the holiness factor, being different, set apart. When people watch you loving people and, and, and sense your love for them that is different than the norm, that's what it's about. And as we're able to love that way, others around us are impacted, and they hear, God's work begins in them. They become saved. They become changed, able to love, impact others who hear, who God worked. And the cycle repeats itself over and over and over and over again. Let's not end the cycle in our own lives. Let's make sure that it continues on. Just thinking about the, the, the men's ministry and the, the, the conference we had just a, a week ago yesterday, the passing the baton. That's what that is, passing the baton, allowing God to use us to be involved in what he wants to do in other people's lives around us. Let's let him work. Amen. And Father, we pray that you'll have your way. We pray, God, that you will do your work. Continue, continue, God, your work in us. Enable us, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit to love even Jesus the way that you have loved us. Might we love fervently in purity in truth and by you, Holy Spirit, do your work. Even as we're sitting now, there are faces of loved ones in our minds who need you. They need to hear your truth. But they need to see your truth lived out in us. And so, Lord, today we commit, we recommit in our hearts to be those, those vessels of yours, filled with your spirit, living your lives, Lord, uh, living our lives in such a way that you really are living through us, that people will see you. People will, will be changed and touched by the truth of who you are, the one and true living God desires to bring life to everyone around us. So God, use us, we pray. Have your way and be glorified in it all. Be honored in it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Let's all stand together, guys.